What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. 
CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick here today in the middle of our draft preview season. And we've got a good one for you tonight. The defensive line, an area of, I would think, lesser thought of need for the Ravens, but certainly an area where they have an old team and need some younger players. Michael Crawford here to join me, one of our favorite guests. Michael, how you doing, buddy? Doing well, Ken. Always good to uh, to talk football with you and to be on. So uh, I look forward to it. And, uh, you know, the draft is it's an exciting time of year. All right, Michael, tre- tremendously well-trained in the traditional sense as a college football analyst. So you're definitely going to be one of the top draft people we've had this year. Went through the scouting academy process, uh, has done a lot of uh, uh backstage trading a video, let's say. Do we need to not go further than that? <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think that's good enough. That's good enough. All right. Well, anyway, access to some good video here, and, and uh, he's got all kinds of good ideas, I know. So I, I thought we'd talk, start by talking on the defensive line show a little bit about where the Ravens are, because clearly this is a team that's spending a ton of money on defense. A lot of that's on the back end, but a lot of it is also on the front end as well, where players like Wolf and Campbell and Williams are eating up big chunks of salary, and they're all older players. Uh, Campbell and Williams not signed beyond this year. So it's really an imperative that the Ravens find additional defensive linemen in this draft. And it isn't a really crowded crop of defensive linemen. No, we were talking a little bit um, before we started recording that it it may not have some of the, the headliner type names that uh, other drafts have had in, in, at the defensive line position. But I think that they are good players um, throughout. I think you can find good players in every round, even after the draft, who can be contributors. Or, you know, maybe some guys towards the end there, they're a little bit more developmental, right? They have some, some athletic tools, but are kind of more on the developmental end of the spectrum. But I think it's, there, there's, more, there's more breadth to this uh, to this defensive line class, and there are like guys at the top. Oh, very good. Okay, so the, Derek, last year's class had Derek Brown, had Javon Kinlaw, of course, is one of my favorite guys. Um, th- there were others in there, but those were the two first round guys. Uh, don't think there's anyone in either of their class, but why don't we start with who your number one guy is, and and we'll do the alternating top ten method. Okay, I've I've been I've been struggling with this a lot of internal hand wringing because like you um, as I look at these guys I do kind of have a a Ravens lens kind of on as I as I look at them and so it's a lot of build up to say I really want to say Christian Barmore is my number uh, excuse me uh, Levi Onzerike is my number one guy but I think if I'm looking at it through a Ravens lens, I'm going to go Christian Barmore. Uh, really, you could probably say through any lens. Uh, a lot of people would probably say Christian Barmore, uh, but I, we can we can get into you know some of the discussion later on. But I'm, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Anzarike. 
You're going to go with Anzarica after all that. I am after all of that. I'm still, and it'll probably change more. You just changed it during that whole, you know, couple sentences there. That's wonderful. 2020 opt out. Uh, the reason I have him a little bit lower down on my list is the size. Yeah. Uh, he's a little smaller shit at 293. Uh, for him to fit in as a three tech in the NFL, I think that's really the only spot it makes sense. Uh, it, it never makes sense to move a guy out to a five tech. Uh, because he's a little bit, a little bit small, and draft him early because there's not enough total snaps for a five tech in the NFL. Certainly not in a base package. So uh, I, you know, the thing I also look at is he opted out. He's got fine pro day numbers, you know, in terms of of going across the board. And you had some magnificent stuff on pro day numbers. I don't want to steal your thunder there if I can. But the problem I have with that is he accomplished it while carrying a little less weight this this year. Yeah. Um... I, that that's why I really was kind of on that fence and, and probably will continue to be on the fence with him is because of his size and, and in terms of how we talk about it for the Ravens. Like th- that body type, a guy right around 6'2", right around 290, 285, um, I, you'd have to go back through through history and you probably would know it better off the top of your head than me uh, as to say whether they've had guys kind of in that same mold or not, but there are not many that come to my mind, right? They're interior guys. Trevor Price, that kind of guy, but he's taller, but but might've been around that weight. Yeah. Right. I think those guys that are going to play out, like you said, kind of outside the tackle over the tackle, they're going to be a little bit more on the six, four, six, five end of the height range, not six, two, but there's just something about how disruptive on Zariki was when I watched him. Um, I mean, just making plays consistently, it's, it's lateral agility is kind of the big thing with him. I, I don't want to say that, um, you know, he doesn't also has play strength because I think he does. You can see him kind of jolt guys and not guys back. But his, his lateral movement skill for a guy that size, I know we just talked about how he'll, you know, he's sort of a smaller size. But just, you know, in a vacuum, you think about a man 6'2", 290 pounds who can move uh, as explosively as he does laterally uh, is just something that I really appreciate. When it comes to interior pass rushes, obviously you got to be strong. Um, I don't. I certainly don't want that to get lost in what we're talking about. But uh, that's what really popped for me was just how laterally explosive he was and disruptive. I remember watching a game from 2019. I think it was against Utah. Just happened to have uh, Ravens uh, backup quarterback <laughs> for Utah uh, was was in that game. Tyler Huntley and. It was the first series of the game, right, on defense. The first three plays, he literally made all three of the plays and got him off the field on three on, on all three of the downs. Uh, the first two plays, he made himself just by, you know, penetrating into the background, uh, into the backfield, throwing a guy out of the way. Uh, and then on third down, he took two guys in terms of drawing their attention, and I think he allowed Joe Tryon to get in and get a pressure. So I was just like, man, you, you just don't see that often from the very beginning of a game where a guy just dominates a series uh, like that. So that caught my attention. And obviously, as I watched more, I was like, wow, this is this is consistent. This isn't just like a flash in the pan. That's really worth talking about for a second, because there's a lot of people who try and do draft analysis and all they look at is highlight tapes. And it's it's that's like D level analysis. You really I think you have to watch every play because you've really got to try and judge the weaknesses. You'll never get those off of highlight tapes. Right. Right. And the weaknesses, I think, that you see with him, uh, just as you can look at a handful of plays and see sort of the positive things he does in that same handful, you can also see the weaknesses, which for me, uh, 
one of the things that popped out was pad level, right? Even even though we're not talking about a guy six four, six five, super tall guy, yeah, right. He still kind of gets upright coming out of his stands, kind of that pop up, um, you know, kind of feel to it, and he allows offensive linemen to sort of get to his chest that way. Um, you know, you, you you see that a lot, I think, with defensive linemen in college. Probably as we talk about some of these other guys, we'll probably hit on that pad level point again. You know, it's it, you wonder is it is it one of those things that's correctable? I think it is. You know how correctable it is for each guy is going to vary because sometimes you know it can it can be about body composition. Maybe some guys just don't have the flexibility right in their hips, knees, and ankles to to bend much back, more yeah. or back. You know to bend much more than they already do. But other guys, is it just more about a consistency thing? And with him, you see him do it, but then you're like, man, I wish he would just do it more often. Right. So I, I think it's something he can get better. At. That's 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 really cool. And that's the kind of thing where if you're Eric DaCosta and you're looking at how do I fill a need on the Ravens, you really want to try and do it ideally with the player you really like. But with a player you like, maybe who has correctable flaws like that, because then you're going to get better value. That guy, you're going to be able to get lower down. I think if you look at how they got Orlando Brown, they got a guy who had you know a horrible combine situation. And they said, well, you know, there are some elements here we maybe don't like. There are some things we're concerned about. Out. But we think most of this is correctable. His tape looks okay, and and you know we can we can get some of the other things in hand, and maybe there's some dietary issues and whatnot that he that he had to deal with. But uh, but yeah, I, I I look at that as being a guy who's hitting 350, but still striking out 100 times. If you can cut his strikeouts to 75, you get some additional batted balls in play, and and really get a uh, uh, even that much more exciting hitter. So uh, I, I I I'm glad we have a disagreement at number one. That didn't happen on the other shows so far at tight end and safety so far. My guy is Christian Barmore of Alabama, a, a pretty easy choice in this class. One of the reasons is there are a lot of opt-outs on the defensive line at, uh, in particular in 2020. Mm-hmm. It is a position, obviously, with larger men and COVID a bigger concern for uh, some, of the, some of the other comorbidities that larger men have, uh, whether it might be diabetes or, or uh, being overweight and having more constrained blood vessels, all the things that, that they were telling us about COVID early on and end up being a lot of opt-outs. Uh, what I like about Barmore is hand usage. Uh, as a pass rusher, just dictates that first contact has that really nice length you like and punches very effectively with it. Uh, he's battle tested in the SEC, so I think he's been through that eight sacks this last year. Uh, he'll be a highly disruptive three tech at the NFL level. Uh, he won't be around when the Ravens draft, unfortunately, because in this week of class, he'll be one of the guys that goes in about the top 12 to 13 picks, I would say. I agree. I think he goes you know, well before 27 for sure. And yeah, I I don't think you're going to find too much of a disagreement with many people that he, he'd be the top D line, uh, the top, you know, interior defensive lineman in this class. All right. Who's your number two guy. So number two, um, it gets a little bit more interesting um, because, again, there's like guys that I'm kind of hedging on. <laughs> like, well, I kind of like this guy and I kind of like that guy. And then there's different reasons, why, right? You're thinking about, well, is it a run stopper? Is it a guy who's more of a pass rusher? Is it kind of a combo kind of guy who does a little bit of run stop and a little bit of pass? Um, but I'm probably somewhere between uh, Jay Fueli from USC and Davion Nixon. Um, from Iowa. Those two guys are probably right there for me, and it's hard for me to pick one or the other. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I both of them on my list, obviously, but uh, significantly lower down. And this tells you it's kind of a flat class 
you know, in terms of having a little bit of depth maybe to it. Not, I, I don't think terrific depth, but, the, you know, there's a fair amount of talent in there. Last year, I thought had five good second-round defensive linemen, and the Ravens got, I think, the best of those in, in Matabike with their pick, which didn't come until the third. Yeah. But but uh, the guy I like, uh, Alan McNeil from uh, NC State. Okay. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm sure he's on your list somewhere. I hope so, anyway. He is. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, projects to be a nose cackle. Uh, probably does not go until the second round. Uh, he might even be around when the Ravens pick in the second round, which would be pretty cool because I think he'd be excellent. 6'2", uh, 3'20". Uh, good penetrator. And, and in particular, when he's left alone, on a single man. He's not a bat. He holds up to the double team pretty well, and he can play two-gap football. Um, I thought that he has the ability to cross the face uh, of a guard a lot of the time and and mess up a uh, a blocking scheme that can create an opportunity for stunts and for other components. But but he's, he'd really be an under player. He's not an over player, in my opinion, just not quick enough for that. Uh, the other thing is that the Ravens are very good at managing rotational players. And so a lot of people would say, well, that means you don't take this guy in the second round. But I think the Ravens may see something that this is a guy who can be helped with rotational play and they may get more out of him than another team would. And therefore, he can, he can slip up their draft board and be a, be a value because of that. Yeah, and he would be, so I, I probably should have said this right from the jump. I don't really rank players. And I know that's that's kind of counterintuitive when it comes to prepping for the draft because that's that's kind of like the big thing. I really just evaluate guys. I evaluate skill sets. I think about fit. And then I kind of just group them that way. Like I said, whether you're kind of in this um, run stopping category, the pass rush category, a combo category, maybe I group guys by kind of body type a little bit. So mm-hmm. he would definitely be uh, in that more of run stopping category for me. Um, but even even within that category, you don't rank your guys one to end? Rarely, <laughs> rarely, if ever, um, you know, obviously, if I had to do this uh, with any kind of uh, view towards producing content, then yeah, that's what people want to see. People want to see ranks. Um, that's that's kind of what people are into. But I think, you know, and, and we've talked enough that for me, it's all about evaluating skill sets and fit. I, I, I was having this conversation with somebody the other day because they asked me about doing a mock draft and I kind of politely declined. I really could care less about where guys go. I really don't. Mm. I mean, I understand the importance of it and I don't want to devalue that because I actually think valuation is probably more difficult than evaluation. Like the on-field evaluation, I actually think is probably a little bit easier um, than it is to actually value and predict where you think guys are going to go in the draft and how you maneuver around the draft. So it's a very important skill. I don't want to devalue it. It's just not what I'm interested in. So that's why I don't really do it. I really just focus on the the skill sets and the fit and say, and I can, you know, I go all day about, okay, well, I like this guy for this reason. I think he can do this. I think maybe he's not as good at that. But if somebody says, okay, now where do you think he's going to go? I I don't know in the draft (laughs) or after, or after the draft. There are a few guys, certainly, that, that, that would have been exciting UDFA prospects for the Ravens this year. But uh, my number five guy, it, it will not be on your list. So I'll, be, I'll leave that for later. Your number, your, the, the next guy down your list, who would you like to talk about? Let's put it that way. OK, uh, one thing I should ask, uh, I should add about McNeil. Uh, you, you may have uh, heard this. I know you're also a baseball fan. He was apparently a head of a high school baseball player, a three time all conference right first, fielder, first baseman, uh, right fielder, believe it or not. Uh, there's uh, there's a clip I shared from back in 2018 when he was in high school uh, where he was at bat. And you can see he was, he was a big dude even back then. 
percent, uh, but not as big as he is now. I've, I've read some reports that he's put on as much as fifty or sixty pounds since he came to NC State. So he's uh, he's he's been he's not massively out of shape. He's he's okay in that category. I wouldn't say. He, I mean, there's other guys who really are out of shape in this draft. Oh yeah, and I those tackle position. Yeah, and I didn't mean that in a bad way. I, yeah. I from what I read, he he is a monster in the weight room. So this this is about good weight. Uh, by and large. So just with that baseball tie-in, I thought you you might appreciate that. Uh, Okay, so next guy for me. Um, Man, you know what? I probably could have put this guy at two or three. I probably should have. Uh, Tommy Togai from Ohio State. Uh, I I probably should have put him up there higher, actually, because, again, he is a guy who I really like, who's got a little bit of that combo sort of ability. Uh, I think he's good against the run. I think he can give you some pass rush because he's got some first step quickness and he covers ground with that first step. That's actually something I really try to pay attention to um, with, with interior defensive players. What do they do with that first step? Now, obviously, if it's a run play and they're reading run, they may not always be gaining ground. But the guys who seem to always be, or at least consistently, always not the right word, at least consistently gaining ground with that first step and stressing the blocker is something I look for. And Togai does that. Or Togai, I I may be pronouncing that incorrectly. I I had it differently. I was going to ask you about that because you you usually know pronunciations, but I have as Togia. Yeah, is, is I just I just took up that could be wrong, too. But uh, anyway, I wanted to make sure I was uh, was I was calling it properly. Very short arm player yep. at 31 and three quarters. And we've had some of that recently. The Rams nose tackle is a short arm guy who went up against McCary in his first game and drew two holding calls on McCary. Yeah, but uh, but uh, and I've forgotten is what his name is, but it, but he's a very short armed uh, uh, nose tackle there. Uh, it, Uniformly excellent pro day stats for Togier. Yeah. It, it, they, they were uh, the size metrics are terrible, and it's really terrible, like first percentile terrible. But it, but his uh, forty reps on the bench is something we have consistent, not consistently, but occasionally seen from short armed defensive linemen or offensive linemen. Is that they, they can do more bench reps? Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, and you're going to see that. Um, as we talk about some of the other guys who have more arm length, you're going to see that bench number probably go down a little bit more. Cause I mean, just think about it. You got to move the bar farther if you have longer arms uh, and, and a guy who, you know, we can certainly relate to who we know is strong on the field, Brandon Williams, who also I think put up a pretty good bench number uh, back in his day and uh, you know, not the longest arms in the world. So um, yeah, you, you definitely see that. But but Togi, he's another one of those guy, uh, one of those guys like Anzarike who doesn't really fit the mold for what the Ravens have done on the interior in mm-hmm. the past. But again, I, I try to have that lens, but then also try to think about well, if the guy is a really good player and you see the things that he does really well, then there's probably a way that that can translate into almost any system. And he's one of those guys. I mean, sometimes that's not always true. Sometimes there's guys that. Um, you know, skill set's a little bit more limited and you can really only see them in maybe one or, or two ways. But I think he's a guy who you could see play three technique. I think he's a guy you could see play uh, head up on a center in sub packages, right? Maybe not right. necessarily in first, that, that second down. Place. Right. Yeah. But, you know, you're going to have somebody rushing on the interior uh, in those passing situations and those sub passing, uh, you know, sub package situations. So uh, you got to think about the kind of guys that you want to have in there. Yeah, in terms of the Ravens' need, I don't think he really fits who the Ravens are with that body type. Because just like you said, the most obvious place for him is on sub packages in the middle of the middle of the field. And the Ravens have their guys for that. Whether it's Wolf or Campbell, they have their guy. 
And and uh, even though those guys are older and will be gone in some period of time, uh, it's it's in a way it's easier to find those guys. The Ravens have been fairly committed to using four outside linebackers on a lot of those plays, and it just seems to me like like that wouldn't be real exciting to them to find another guy when Matabike is already losing snaps in sub packages, for example, because they like to play those outside linebackers so much. So I don't think he really fits the Ravens uh, scheme wise, but uh, but definitely not a bad prospect and was. was was also number three on my list. So let's go to your next one. Oh, we both got. Oh well, there you yeah. go. It's the first time we had the uh, <laughs> we had the same guy there. Um, okay, as we go down the list a little bit more, uh, another guy that I like this guy, young prospect, Bobby Brown uh, from Texas A and M. Um, I don't think. Let me look up here. Yeah, I don't think he's twenty one years old yet. I uh, know. No, I'm looking. I'm looking. And I, I mentioned this to you, so I want to. I want to plug it just because I think this guy does great work. Dane Brugler from the Athletic puts out a draft guide every year. A uh, draft guide every year. If you're a subscriber to the Athletic, it's built in to your subscription. You get the draft guide, no additional charge there. And he does excellent, excellent work. Definitely approaches it from um, a trait scouting um, sort of perspective, but also gets a lot of good background information for somebody who's not directly connected with the team. I mean, he goes back to high school any kind of off-the-field stuff that's been publicly um, sort of put out there, he'll mention. So you get a lot of good information that way, and you get, you know, easy stuff like birthdays. So Bobby Brown from Texas A&M uh, is a guy that I like, 6'4", 321. Um, he's got seriously built for that age. That is grown man size for that age. Is it well-distributed? Yeah, yeah, it is. When you look at him, he's not a guy who looks sloppy or, or you know, like he like he doesn't know where the weight room is or anything like that. Um, yeah, I think he's well put together and he's got the arm length. Uh, if you you know have a chance to look at his pro day numbers, solid pro day numbers for a guy his size, ran right around a 5-0 flat 40 uh, under a 1-7, 10-yard split, 33-inch vertical jump for a 321-pound man. I know there's a little bit of... of um, People are a little unsure about pro day numbers this year because they're not happening at the combine. And it's hard to know if, um, you know, there's standardization going on there. But so take those for what they're worth. But when you turn on the film, you see a guy that's explosive, right? You see a guy that's powerful. You see a guy that can shoot gaps. You see a guy that can take on and share blockers. Um, he's the, he, he, for me, he falls into that combo sort of range, right, where he can play the run. He can play the pass. You probably don't feel... Um, too uncomfortable with having him in even on maybe some passing situations because of his ability uh, to kind of rush the passer. Now, you know, we're, we're not talking about Aaron Donald. I don't want to paint that picture. Right. But, you know, a guy who, who you know, is disruptive in that way. I, I think, you know, he's a later round guy that I could see the Ravens taking a chance on. But I do see him as more of a developmental prospect. But part of it may have been age. But I think the other part is that, uh, you know, he just hasn't played all that much college football at this point. So, uh, you know, I, I, it's not like he's he's off the list entirely, but, he, but he just he's not on my top 10 list of players that I think the Ravens ought to draft. So hopefully the Ravens will will find that player. Uh, that that uh, that we don't know about at all. That's one of the things I'm hoping. Nine number four guy, Jalen Twyman of Pitt. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a guy who uh, did opt out for 2020, but he played a lot of previous college snaps. And the 10 and a half sacks in 13 games at t- in 2019 really puts him at the top of the class in terms of interior uh, rushers. So I think that's that's the reason. I think if you if you like. Uh, 
pass rush from the interior. If you want to find it, there's not a lot of it in this draft. We mentioned, uh, you know, one other already, but he's a hand fighter as well. And is a guy I think who can be uh, uh, one of the one of the players who would help the Ravens if they could get him. They probably will not be able to, though. Yeah, and see, I have him, but I had him down further on my list because I see him as more of a DN type in like a 4-3, like a 4-3 DN type. Because, I mean, again, he's, he's right around 6'1", 300 pounds, 32-inch arms. Um, certainly could play inside, did that at Pitt. He played some DN, he played some three technique. They moved him all around. You talked about the backfield production. Obviously, that speaks for itself with the sacks and the tackles for loss. Um, but just the way he, he sort of moved, to me, is a little, little bit more deliberate in some ways. I was like, yeah, this kind of feels more like 4-3 DN to me. But I don't, I don't want to pigeonhole him because I don't, I don't think that that's the case. I think he's multiple. We can line up in multiple spots. But that's probably why I had him um, probably slotted in that other category because that's, that's how I saw him. Oh, to, to me, the shorter arms are a problem that, that you would look at. But I think he doesn't he almost have to play three at that kind of size? You would think so. I'm just talking about what he did at Pitt. I mean, what, it doesn't mean that's how they're going to use him in the NFL. Obviously, we know that. But he just looked more comfortable um, kind of in that four-eye or, or head-up four sort of technique. I don't know how you put him on the end with a first percentile 40-yard dash of 551. And then he's another one. Of course, short arms again, 40 reps on the bench. Yep. Very powerful. And that you do see that in the game. That does show up on the tape. You see that he is violent. Uh, with his hands, you even mentioned that he's he's violent with his hands, and he can shot guys. Um, he, we we probably will talk about this at a later time, but I'll just throw this in now. The pit guys, whether it's him or the edge guys, Patrick Jones and Rashad Weaver, a lot of positive things from their coaching staff. And you know, maybe maybe they're selling their guys a little bit, but you hear things like Jalen uh, like Jalen Twyman is a gym rat. Uh, you hear about how good of a, a leader. Um, Patrick Jones is. You hear how you know much of a, a, a kind of stand-up guy Rashard Reaver is. I kind of like to hear those. So you know, I like the intangible stuff. So I like to hear those things. <laughs> there you go. Okay, we're up to your number five guy here. All right. So let's see. What who have we talked about here? Um, and like I said, I'm kind of bouncing around because I don't necessarily have guys ranked. Um, I'm going to throw this guy out. I knew we were going to talk about him anyway, but he's polarizing for some reasons. Uh, Milton Williams. Um, (laughs) I put him there because he probably should be a little, maybe a little bit further down the list. But if you are thinking about the athletic potential and not just because of the pro day number, because the pro day, the pro day numbers are just ridiculous. I mean, when you, when you look at the percentile, which uh, we need to talk about. Okay. Okay. So you, do you, do you have them up in front of you? I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. sitting right by. Okay. So let's read these off. Cause we really got to talk about all of them, but start off. He's got 31 and a half inch arms in the fifth percentile yeah. and he's at 284 pounds. But then you look at his, at his various athletic scores, the vertical jump of 39 inches. That's in the 99th <laughs> percentile for, I, I, that may be defensive ends. It may be interior defensive linemen. I'm not sure exactly how they categorize, but whatever big man group he's categorized in. He's in the 99th percentile. Broad jump, 121 inches. That's over 10 feet for a defensive lineman, 97th percentile. The bench, 34 reps. Nothing wrong with that. You take that for anybody. 90, 91, 91st percentile. Again, I'd point to the short arms as maybe helping him out there, but but it, that's in that's a good. I'm going to come back to this next one here. The, the short shuttle in the 97th percentile at 425. Uh, the <laughs> the three cone. 687. When's the last time? I, there are others, but but a, a, a defensive lineman 
running a, a three cone in under seven seconds. You, you don't see some skill position guys yeah, like wide yeah. receivers and running backs who run three cones at base. So the pro- Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch. Now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only excludes Alaska and Hawaii. Two day numbers, there's definitely a lot to be suspicious about there. Um... But when you see him on tape, you see flashes of some of that ability. Now, not necessarily that, because I think if you take those numbers and you try to compare just the numbers, right, to, to they other don't match defense, up at all with what I'm seeing. No, no. And if you try to compare them to other players, other defensive linemen who, who've tested similarly, the only other person you get is Aaron Donald. And he's not Aaron Donald. Um, so that's what's crazy about the testing numbers. So, yeah, a lot more deliberate in terms of his movement on the field. You do see some power. You do see some 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 speed in terms of ability to kind of chase down plays uh, a little bit laterally, but he just looks like a guy who's really raw and needs a lot of refinement and a lot of development. Um, so I, I I put him at five just because I know that that's a name that's out there and people have seen the pro day numbers and um, you got the Louisiana Tech connection there again. But um, you know I I don't know. There's something about me that wants to believe that there's something there that really can be developed, but I I just don't see that level of athleticism some somebody else is going to believe more and and i watched the georgia southern games i watched every one of his defensive plays in that game and georgia southern has a a, a center and a right guard who i am 99 percent sure are not going to the nfl although i don't have any idea who they actually are but number 66 at center did a hell of a job on him all game long and it was bad stuff from a defensive lineman it wasn't like he couldn't penetrate it's he's getting backed up he's hitting the ground he's getting turned around he's getting blocked exactly the way you know they wanted to do it whenever they had to double team him they they moved him around like a rag doll I, it's just he, he didn't look at all like that player and i did have three tackles in that game uh and then this is why you can't get fooled with highlight tapes you go to his highlight tapes and all of a sudden he's getting all these sacks one of the things to look for in his highlight tapes he has a lot of cleanup finishes and so there you know people will warn you about those they say you know you want to get to the quarterback within three seconds yourself but he has a lot of cleanup finishers i i i did not get to the biggest pro day number of all which is his 462 40 now 462 a lot of people think well you know wide receivers don't want to run well no they don't and and and, but there's plenty of safeties who run 462 and it really uh is a positive for their nfl career because people thought they'd run 472 yeah and you know it's it's not a limiting thing at safety is what I'm telling you. I can't, I don't know of any other, you know, defensive linemen who've ever run 462 and you could probably tell me some, but I, but I don't know of any others. No, I mean, again, you're, you're talking about the guys who, who we've seen in the NFL who are dominant, dominant players, whether it's the Aaron Donalds, um, man, I'd have to think about another. I mean, BK was 483 and yeah. he's very quick. Yeah. I, I mean, 
Yeah, no, it's 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 hard. It's hard to believe. You like you said, you 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 watch the game. I watched him against BYU and Marshall, and it, it it just doesn't really line up that way. Not saying he's not an athletic guy, but not, it doesn't it doesn't line up that way. So I kind of gave him a little bit of a bump. It's kind of that that um, that mystery box, you know, kind of yeah, Family you're, Guy kind of mystery box. That's exactly what you're getting. You're getting a mystery <laughs> gift box. What round do you draft the mystery <laughs> gift box in? Oh, well, I mean, you, if you we're talking specifically about the Ravens, I mean, they, they, they probably don't want to, you know, be taking too many guesses on mysteries too early. So, I mean, what, fifth, if he, if he, I mean, maybe if you got that's, a, a that's late the fourth. the highest I could possibly gamble on him. The highest possible. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's, I'll, I'll go into my number five guy because I think this fits fairly closely. So Milton Williams has been labeled by some as the best small school prospect on the defensive line. I would almost say he's the only small school prospect on the defensive line because a lot of these other conferences, they didn't even play. Yeah. So, you, you, I mean, you, where the Ravens have gone to, to really get some talent, well, they went to Ferris State to get Zach Sealer. Mm-hmm. They went to Grand Valley to, to get uh, uh, Judon. Mm-hmm. And they went to Samford to get Pierce. You know, so it, 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 that's... It, those are small schools. Yeah. These schools, Louisiana Tech included, is a Conference USA school. That's not a small school. That's a mid-major or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a significant conference which produces a lot of prospects every, every year. So my number five guy is whoever Eric DaCosta likes from a small school that he knows way more than us. Because at this point, I'm, I'm going to say that it, 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 Eric DaCosta, at this point in the draft, okay, ahead of all the other people I've got on here, he's going to know better, and he's going to pick someone for the Ravens who is a great gamble in that fourth or fifth round. He definitely will know better. I'll throw a name out there for you. You tell me if, because uh, I don't know if this is, I don't, I don't follow enough college football in terms of structure of conferences to know if this is a small school or not. But Forrest Merrill from Arkansas State. Is Arkansas State considered? <laughs> you know, I don't even know what conference they play in. That's interesting. Yeah. So some people might know the school just because they have a wide receiver prospect who's been getting some buzz this year. Jonathan Adams Jr. He's kind of a height, weight, speed kind of guy. Before his Merrill, um, interior guy in the game that I watched against Georgia. Uh, they actually played Georgia in 2019. Um Lined up, head up on the center, played some some two eyes, so kind of inside shoulder of, uh-huh. of a guard. Um, you know, powerful guy, good pad level. Uh, well, I, I'll just read right right from the notes because some of these guys I, I remember kind of just off the top of my head because I watched them enough, and the other guys I kind of got to go back to my to my notes. So, and I don't have a ton here. So solid ball, get off, low pad level out of his stands, lockout and peak, below average balance, misses with hand placement, or they're intentionally too wide. Um, Let's see, use a swing move to escape, pursue running back just outside, left hash to right hash. I'm always kind of looking at range. You know, I know people think about range for like secondary players. I look, at, I look at range for like uh, no, for, for defensive linemen too. Yeah. Um, and then they actually used him in a couple of rush games as the C-gap looper, right? Looping the contain. You think you wouldn't right. do that with a guy who didn't have at least some mobility and uh, athleticism. So he could be a guy. Um, you know, if, if you want to, if you consider that a small school, who maybe they take a look at Sunbelt conference. Okay. So it's, that's probably better known as a basketball conference. I think that it is a football conference. I think so. That sounds right. And, uh, so probably not that small, right? 
No, probably, probably not that small. I, I don't think, you know, Mountain West and we get into some of these other ones. I, 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 a lot of these conferences have, are very legitimate in terms of having, you know, having real talent that they that comes out of them. I think DaCosta has gone way lower <laughs> yeah. to find some uh, some talent in his day. So anyway, that's number five. I, I'm going to trust EDC in the process to find that small school guy. And this is the year, boy, if the Ravens were to clean up on small school talent, trade back a couple times, extra six, extra seven kind of thing. They could really get some get, get some guys in this draft. Yeah, I agree. I, I, we, we certainly know he's got that track record. He's done it time and time again. So I like your pick of whoever he deems as the best small school player that they can get. All right. So that was my number five guy. It's kind of a cheat. So you go ahead with your number six. Okay. And I'm going to put this guy kind of more heavily in the run stopping category. So you're thinking about maybe a potential, you know, Brandon Williams. Um, replacement at some point, not necessarily saying this year, but Tyler Shevlin, Shevlin, let me pronounce it. Mm-hmm. I think it's Tyler Shevlin from LSU um, opted out in 2020. But um, when you look at the numbers, you're not going to see a ton of numbers because again, he was an interior guy, pretty much uh, a head up to, you know, inside shade kind of guy, but big, powerful guy, 6'2", 350, 33 inch arms. Um, I don't think he did a bench press because he had some kind of elbow injury or something at his pro at the LSU. Uh-huh. Play. Um just this is what's reported. Uh, so, <laughs> this will take it for what it's worth. Uh, but yeah, big, strong guy. When when you watch him, one of the first things that stood out to me, again, obviously he's playing in the SEC, so you know about the level of competition. But you think about those interior guys having to take on those double team and combo blocks, right? That's, that's something you're going to have to do uh, in the NFL run game. And he does that at a really, really high level. I mean, he really understands how to attack that first guy. Some people call the postman in the double team and then the guy that kind of comes and bangs you on the hip is the drive guy. He really understands that you got to attack that post guy and knock him back uh, to the point where when that second guy, that drive man comes to try to bang your hip, he actually can't get you because you're so deep into the backfield Mm. that he has to either wheel and turn, which, you know, you don't really want your offensive lineman doing that or he just misses you all together. Um, So I really liked his ability to do that. So he's, he's probably uh, the guy I'd go with at, at this spot. Uh, it's uh, he was an interesting one. Uh, it did not make my list. The single digit percentages on all of the mobility things kind of scared me off. Uh, five, a five point four forty, the second percentile, a four ninety seven short shuttle, the fourth percentile, yep. uh, an eight nineteen three cone. That's uh, what about a second and a third slower than uh, <laughs> uh, Milton Williams? Maybe he set <laughs> so, records, Milton Williams. <laughs> there you go. So, like, well, it's not a fair comparison. We know that, but there are other more serious issues. I think with with Shelvin as well is that he is a whale on the field. Now there are a couple guys in this draft who fit into that same category, but Shelvin. Was like Mount Cody to me. Mm. Uh, he's, he's a huge, heavy guy, and and do we really want a weight problem like that? Uh, he, he wouldn't be a top pick, obviously. He'd be a, he'd be a later pick in the draft. Uh, the Ravens do absolutely, certifiably need additional big-bodied men uh, for their defensive line. So I want, I, I anticipate that they'll get somebody like that in this draft. Um, I just don't, I don't believe Shelvin is, would be the guy anywhere early and coming out of the SEC. He's a guy who might go in the fourth or fifth round uh, to somebody. And I, I don't think the Ravens would take him that early. And there's some support to the weight issue um, that you, you touched on there because Dane talks about it in his guide where he said, look, he's, mm-hmm. he actually was suspended for several weeks during the 2018 season. And he quotes, he said, due to laziness and weight issues. And he said he, he was an NFL scout that he talked to. He said he could be Vince Wilfork if he was motivated. 
So he seems like one of those guys who, you know, he's got some ability. He's a powerful guy and could be a really disruptive, good player. But, you know, maybe maybe there's a little bit of a light on light, you know, switch on and switch off kind of issue there. All right. Uh, let's see. Where are we on the list now? Okay. So you, that was your number six guy. So uh, my number six guy is Ozarike. So we talked about him a little bit earlier. Who's your number seven guy? All right. So we're getting down the list here. And as we go down the list, I've kind of started to pile up on the bigger body guy. So here's another short arm guy. We love those guys. Kai, uh, Kai Reese Tonga from BYU, right? Yep. Another, another, another big run uh, stuffing kind of guy. But, you know, in terms of, of a pass rusher, not that I had a lot of moves. Uh, rush moves in my notes for him, but his bull rush, man, it was pretty, it was pretty nasty. Um, he was, he was driving the USC center. Uh, I think it was a 2019 game that I watched just driving that dude back like five, six yards into the back, into the backfield. So he's got some power to do that, but more known as a, as a run stuffer, um, you know, a guy who is probably not somebody that you want to have playing a really high snap count. Of course, you know, with the BYU guys, people are always going to talk about age. Cause a lot of these guys tend to go on missions Mission, and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And I think he's either 24 or about to be 25, something like that. So, you know, you, you're going to talk about that, but a big, powerful man at six, two, three, 25. Yeah. I, I'm, I actually missed the age component. I, I got to slap myself for that. He's number 10 on my list. Uh, there are a lot of things I liked about him. One is that he's a good three twenty, and that may, you know, the age thing may play into that is that some of these younger guys, they get fat, they don't know how to eat, and, and maybe they just don't like to hit the weight room, or maybe it is it just takes time after their bodies fill out to really pack on the extra good weight that, that'll, that'll make them you know, razor sharp. Uh, but, but Tonga is a, you know, a player who's already very well built. What I liked about him and seeing him play was that he elevated well when he was blocked on the pass rush, and he got a few PDs. Uh, yeah. doing that. So I, I, you know, I think there's a lot to like, and I think in, in some ways he's Derek Wolf-esque, although he's bigger and he's he really plays nose tackle, but he's a guy who gets, gets up in the air and will give you that extra height you need uh, to, uh, to potentially block down some balls. Yeah, I, I put him, um, Barmore, and I think Marvin Wilson from Florida State in that, in that category in terms of guys who, who blocked a lot of balls. Just I don't know the number, but just in the games that I watch, I always note that when they do it. And, you know, coaches talk about matching, right? It's kind of the term to use for it. Like you're trying to rush. You can't get there on the rush or you see the quarterback getting ready to let the ball go. Do you try to match his hand, right? You get your hand up and try to match his hand and, and bat the ball down. And those guys did that uh, a couple times a game uh, in the games. that I think Marvin Wilson had like two or three in a game in one of the games that I was watching. So um, uh, I put Tonga in that category too, because I, I had some notes for him doing that as well. Tonga has uh, 12 PDs in his career, according to pro, not pro football reference, college football reference. Mm. Uh, but he had five last year. Yeah. And uh, and that uh, was nice. I, you know, I had three and a half sacks. That was something. But uh, uh, but it's really that that uh, nose tackle presence against the run. Also, you're, you're looking for there. Yeah. All right. So let's see who is next on my list. I have Jonathan Marshall of Arkansas. Uh, let me go back to what I liked about him. Um, okay. 36 bench reps. I, I was positive on that. Ran a 481.40. Good broad and vertical jumps. Uh, I did not really see that great first step uh, on the on the tape. You probably have watched more than I. Maybe if you if you watched a lot from the All-22 and you're not having a lot of selected plays, too, you might see more of it. But I didn't really see the great first step from him that those kind of numbers would have 
suggested to me. Uh, I, 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 I had one other thing, but I'll okay. wait until after you. Yep. No, I'm just going to agree with you. I was going to agree. I, I kind of didn't see that same thing. I, I saw more of when he did make contact, he really came out of his hips. And I mean, and he could he could deliver a blow. He could strike. It's like you watch practice and you see the D lineman kind of striking, um, you know, the bags and kind of that sled, right, where they kind of strike the mm-hmm. sled and snap. That's kind of what you see with him when he contacts people. And it wasn't so much because of first step quickness. It was just when he did get his foot in the ground, that second step. He just came out of his hips and just struck guys and just jolted them. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably an effective three tech in the NFL at three ten. You know, he he potentially is a tweener to maybe maybe catch on as a nose somewhere, but I think more than likely he ends up at the three tech because I think that's that's where he'd be best. And I don't. I think the Ravens need to really be careful. I think if they find you know Aaron Donald, they're not going to pass him up. But if if they uh, if they like somebody that that much, but there's no way that they should prioritize drafting a three tech when they finally got Matt Abike is and, and he's the one young defensive lineman that I think they're going to trust going forward. Yeah, and that's why I, I, I've kind of noted the guys who I think maybe a little bit more three technique in terms of body type and play style. But I, you probably notice as we've done this, I've, I've named more guys that are kind of more on the run stopping end uh, than the three tech end because of that for that same reason um, that you just mentioned. I'm, I'm thinking that you want Justin to have as many snaps as possible at this point based on what we saw last year. Have to think that'll happen anyway. Yeah. Uh, that, that that they won't be keeping him off the field. Okay, I think it's your turn again. Who do you got next? So where are we at? We're seven. Uh, yeah, we just finished number seven, and we're number eight now. We're number eight. Okay, it's, it's, I probably could have had him a, a spot or two maybe before this, but I I, I mentioned his name earlier, uh, Marvin Wilson um, mm-hmm. from Florida State. I think you could go back and look and see that he had probably a little bit better twenty nineteen than twenty twenty. Uh, but again, a guy who's got uh, good size. Um, he's, he's, I don't know that I would necessarily put him in that run stopping category though. Even, no, even, yeah, even with his size, because man, he, he, and I, I'm not trying to be negative here, but he, he got moved quite a bit, uh, especially against double teams and those combo blocks. So, um, what was interesting though about that with him is one thing I had in my note was like the timing, um, of his steps. I would see, and you almost have to slow the take down. You have to slow the speed down to really see this. But by the time that he would sometimes get his first step in the ground, all of linemen had their second step in the ground. Yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> that, that uh, and, you know, we just talked about the the, the last player with uh, with Jonathan Marshall. That he's a guy who had great pro day stats that should have you seeing a bunch of great first steps on tape, and we didn't really see that with with Wilson. He's a guy who has no first step, and you can see it. I mean, his first step is everybody else's second step. So, but you look at that on tape. Uh, sorry, you look at that on his pro day stats, and it's completely corroborated yeah. with some absolutely terrible pro day numbers. Uh, I mean, it's not like there's nothing to like about the guy, but I just I I think he is a developmental lottery ticket more than he's any kind of a sure thing. And, and I think he, he probably ends up at the three tech uh, trying to get one-on-one matchups against a guard and push them around. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I could have gone Naquan Jones and maybe I'll save him for like, I really like Naquan Jones. So maybe I'll save. <laughs> uh, actually the, the, the only two guys, I, oh, there's only one guy I have even uh, left on my list who you have not named so far. So I think, uh, the, the floor is yours at this point. Oh, and I've, I already have a top 12 in this that Milton Williams is number 12 on. So I think that if you want to talk about anybody else, just go ahead. 
All right, so just two guys that I'll mention. I, I mentioned Naquan Jones, and the other guy is TJ or Tadaryl Slayton uh, from mm-hmm. Florida. So I'll, I'll start with Tadaryl Slayton, uh, 6'4", 3'30", 32-inch um, arms. Again, you know, maybe you want to see in that 33, 34 um, sort of range, but really powerful guy uh, that I saw on tape in terms of just jolting guys and knocking offensive linemen back. Um, and I think that he, he's probably even come down in weight uh, from from when he kind of uh, to get to uh, yeah to get to three thirty to when he initially came to Florida. So he's another guy who you know probably has to stay on top of diet and and, and conditioning and that kind of thing. But a really just like naturally powerful uh, kind of guy. Um, so he's he's somebody to maybe kind of keep an eye on kind of in the later rounds. Maybe he even falls to UDFA range. I don't know yeah. uh, where that goes. But then Naquan Jones, the other guy I mentioned from Michigan State, he probably is in that seventh to priority free agent uh, kind of round, but um, uh, range. 6'3", 313, 33-inch arms. Um, you know, not great numbers in terms of athletic testing, but again, another powerful guy who just, you know, was able to knock. I was watching his game against Ohio State. Um, I have to go back in my notes and see if it was 2020 Ohio State or 2019, but uh, I think it was 2020 because Wyatt Davis was there. Um, Josh Myers was at center. And yeah, he was he was he was sort of putting those guys in the backfield regularly. Um, he doesn't have tremendous range. He's probably more that a gap to a gap kind of player than than a guy who can get you know out from out, out to the edges of the tackle or anything like that. But again, if you're getting late in the round and you're looking for a, de- a defensive tackle who you can kind of develop and has some tools to work with, those two guys might not be bad candidates. All right, Michael. I hope we didn't lose Michael here. No, I'm still here. I was just All saying right. those are those are the only two that I. Well, I mean, I have other guys, but I, <laughs> I figured I'd stop with those two. All right, very good. Uh, out, outstanding stuff, Michael. So, uh, do you think there, there's any possibility the Ravens draft two defensive linemen or zero defensive linemen in this draft? I'd be very surprised if they drafted zero. Mm-hmm. Um, Two, if we're talking about pure defensive linemen, right? We're not talking about edge, edge guys no, or kind of hybrid guys. Edge. Yeah, I don't know if I see two. One just seems like kind of the sweet spot. But again, to your point, I mean, if, if you're looking at 2021, yes, you've got Wolf. Yes, you've got Campbell. Yes, you've got Brandon Williams. But you do have to look towards the future. And you can say, well, they've got Justin Matabike. You've got Roderick Washington. You know, you don't really, he had a little bit of, you know, kind of some off-field stuff going on. I don't really know how all that's going to shake out. I don't think it was anything. He didn't play that well on field, honestly. No, I, yeah. I don't think it's anything major. Um, they have a guy who's a UDFA, Aaron Crawford, who mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of people know about, but he actually, you know, did some things at North Carolina that were pretty impressive. Uh, when and he the clock is running on him because he played in that Pittsburgh COVID game. So yeah. they, they need to they need to kind of find out what they have. But yeah. I agree, it's a that's a difficult one. But the point you're making here, I think, is that they ha- they you know they obviously have some older guys and they need to find out what they have. But they they really don't have very much youth, but they also don't have a lot of roster space. Yeah. And you know when you're already bringing back. Richards and Levine as players, for example, that really stresses your total roster space. You know, having pure special teams players can force out a defensive lineman. Uh, you know, maybe they can go back to the the old you know roll three dice and call out the injury rule for for a uh, a guy you bring to camp that you know is going to get hurt before the end of it. Anyway, it used to be something yeah, no. that I would bring up is they would come up with a fake injury for a lot of players uh, to IR them for the season. But uh, you know. I don't know how they're going to fit 
a lot of players um, when they have players like Levine and Richards on the roster. And, you know, my, my feeling would be they really need to get a young safety at this point and it needs to be a safety they can trust to play one of the two back end positions. So if they think that's Stone, well, great. But, you know, that means there's five safeties already ready to go. If they if they don't think it's Stone, um, they still need to get one. And I think one of Levine or Richards probably doesn't make the team. Yeah, and you may have already had a, a show to talk about the safety class, but I, I think there's some good players that'll be available. Oh, yeah. and I, I would not be surprised if they took one. Who's who's your guy in the safety class that you think would be the best fit for the Ravens? I've seen a lot of people talk about Trayvon Morig from TCU, mm-hmm. but I actually, and, and not not that I dislike him, I, I do like him, but I, I think I like the kid out of Indiana. This is Jamar Johnson, maybe. Yeah. I think I like him maybe a little bit more, and then... Um, there's one of the Holland from Oregon. Holland is a good player. I was thinking about because um, there's two there's two safeties at at Missouri. Richie Grant from UCF. Richie Grant, very good. Richie Grant, yeah. very very good. And then the I, I would place him certainly above the two guys I was getting ready to think. There's two guys at at Missouri. It's it's Bledsoe and maybe I can't remember the other guy's name. They they they, they both played together this year. Uh, and I think both of those guys are probably going to okay. get drafted so too. The two schools, which which had two safeties each, and the 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 Syracuse guys—that's my alma mater—that okay. didn't didn't really get to play together this year because Cisco had an injury early in the season. The other guy played five games. It wasn't like they were all on the field or whatever. But it's Andre Cisco and Trill Williams, yeah. right, who I really like. I love Trill. Uh, I love that name. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, outstanding. So uh, tell people, tell folks where they can find your work currently. Okay. Well, I, I'm just on Twitter uh, at Abukari, A-B-U-K-A-R-I. Just kind of, you know, follow me there and I'll just be randomly tweeting about different things. I've really pulled back, as you know, from kind of like any kind of regular content because I really like just focusing in on stuff that I'm interested in, which is usually things that not many other people are interested in, whether it's special teams, whether it's looking at um, an old 49ers playbook when Greg Roman was the OC and trying to match up those plays to plays the Ravens run now. You know, there's just kind of like pet projects that I get into. So uh, sometimes I'll kind of tweet out some stuff from those projects, but I'm always working on something. I just don't, I, I very rarely turn it into any kind of published content. I, I, I just, I think I want to say this. I want to say it as much for the other people out there who are listening who want to get into film analysis as much as I want to say it to you, Michael. But to the things that are interesting to you, worrying about how much other people are going to like, like your material, that drove me nuts. But it, but it stopped driving me nuts when I realized I'm just really writing for myself. I enjoy reading my old writing years after to see if I was right or not about things. You know, did five years earlier, did I predict it correctly? I also love going back and watching old games like you've just mentioned and and going through those and rehashing them either with a player or just looking at it myself in terms of how did this fit into Ravens history? You articulate yourself so well in terms of conveying, understanding, doing it. I guarantee you people will like your stuff no matter what you're writing about, Mike. And I shouldn't have worded it that way because I, I don't worry about whether people like it or not. I think a better word should have been I acknowledge that people may not like it's more of a niche kind of thing. Not right. that they won't so like it, but that's more narrow niche. audience. Yeah, it's very narrow. That's what I should have said, because I, I honestly don't care whether people. Like it or not. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's I mean, that's why I, I when I did write regularly and I wrote some of the stuff that I did, I, it was always just stuff that I was interested in. I didn't care whether anybody else thought it was interesting or not. I hope they do. But if they don't, that wasn't the motivation behind why I picked a particular topic. It doesn't matter what you're in, whether you're in science, you're being a great coach, whatever. Being a contrarian is the path to new discoveries. 
Mm-hmm. And you're, you're, you know, that's the way to do it if you want to go about and, and uh, not don't try and do what everybody else is doing just because they're, they're popular. If you want ratings or grades or talk about wide receivers only, you know, that kind of thing. You're, you're, uh, you're the right man. Anyway, love talking football with you, Michael. So happy to have you on again. You're welcome anytime. And you're coming back to do the edge with us. Oh, yeah, that's going to be exciting. We got a lot of guys to talk about there. All right. Lots of fun and obviously a big position of need for the Ravens. Uh, Thanks again for joining us, folks. Michael, in particular, thanks so much for coming on again. Sure. Anytime. Hey, it's always a good time. I look forward to the next time. All right. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.